You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. So today we have Hannah Marks in the building. How are you, Miss Hannah? I am doing good. It's a Friday. I'm happy. Yeah, no, the week is almost over. Almost? Well, actually, for some, it's just beginning. It's like work, 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 work over the weekend for people who volunteer or I can't say work in church. Is that even the right way of saying it? Are involved in ministry. Serve. serve. (laughs) Can't say work in church. Yeah, people who serve. Like Friday is like okay, I've got youth tonight, and tomorrow I've got young adults. Then on Sunday I've got church two, three church services. It's like yeah, yeah. The weekend is totally different. Do you remember those days when today. we used to just like spend every almost every day at church? Yeah, because you're doing there's always something. There's happening. always something going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, but we didn't feel it. We were young. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, I'm still young. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that is what we're talking about today. That um. Burnout that can happen when you, yeah, are heavily involved in church life. Actually, yep. it can happen in any profession, really. It doesn't matter. But, I mean, today we're specifically talking about people involved in yeah, serving. Correct. Mm. And just to give some context, so Hannah has written a dissertation, her master's dissertation, and it's on, I'm going to read it here. No, don't read the title. <clears throat> Should I not? No, read it, read it, read it. Uh, Let's read it. Sounds very learned. Read it and then I'll translate it. Hannah is very learned. No. Okay. Our learned friend. But (laughs) (laughs) What um, a title. (laughs) So it's, the the title is Burnout Prevention Through Holistic Care in Clergy Formation. What, What can Zimbabwean theological education learn from international research and training models? So basically burnout prevention and... Burnout prevention in the training of pastors. Also in the training stage. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So um, I, I think it is good, but the problem is, or I don't know if it's a problem, but in Zim, most people, uh, particularly in Pentecostal circles, are appointed as pastors and then have to learn yeah. what all that is right. involved. Whereas in other denominations, I think it's a much more... Um, strenuous process there's a lot of discernment beforehand you have to go through education and training and whatever so um, but yeah it was all about how can we prevent burnout in pastors in Zim but um, the truths of burnout prevention stretch well beyond like just pastors right Um, yeah it can be applicable across yeah out of interest Han what what got you to focus on that that. to to write your thesis on on that particular (laughs) that particular subject um quite a lot of things but mostly lived experience um i i think the the lessons of doing too much balance uh overcommitment wanting to do things not wanting to say no then realizing that no is a good word and all of that sort of stuff workaholism perfectionism i think those i would say they were the the lessons of my 20s not that they weren't of my 30s but they were intense in my in my 20s um and so um i lived it i did too much i had health challenges as a result of uh, a number of things and had to pull out of things and 
yeah, I guess went on my own journey, whether it was burnout or a whole bunch of other things combined, probably all of the above. Um, so it was lived experience, but also my mum and dad are, um, they are uh, in the medical profession. And because of that, um, if you, anybody who serves in a helping profession, that would mm. be the people who look after people, whether it's teaching or <laughs> medicine or um, psychology anything pastoring education working with people is a really intense Mm. um relationship um work relationship and so i watched my mom and dad um have people that they would just my mom and dad just sort of they sort of naturally came to them and they were like we're struggling we're not coping with this and they would just kind of take them under their wing and share things and encourage them a lot of the time they were church people they were people who were um very burnt by the church um in the probably in the stages of burnt out feeling burnt from those relationships and they were trying to find their path out of that and Mm so my parents were pretty integral for just helping a lot of people think about like okay but how do you take care of yourself that and my mom my mom was the one who i don't know if everyone's mom's like this but my mom is like this she just she would say, you, you know, you need to take care of yourself. Self-care is important. And mm. she was persistent. And <clears throat> somehow a combination of all those factors came to writing about it. But I lived it before I wrote it. That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> I can attest to this because Hannah is always on my case. Like, always <laughs> on my case about... Self-care. Okay. Yep. Yeah. But I, I appreciate that. And telling you, know. you to say no to things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Both Hannah and her mom, if I'm must say but i <laughs> yeah because I, I know i'm not always the best at that i i just do a lot of stuff and i think that really um i think that applies to a lot of people mm. in in my position and and similar positions as well people who are in ministry involved in whether it's in a leadership capacity or involved in um <clears throat> i think aspects of ministry that are quite demanding mm. well, so I think one, yeah <clears throat> one thing about serving <coughs> or even even if you have a proper if you're not volunteering and you're actually mm. don't want to say working but anyway employed yes fine whatever <laughs> but if you're like a pastor or an elder or whatever these things do not have job descriptions right. they just like learn on the job and you kind of do what you feel is required of you but because there's no jd it's like anything can be required of you there's no like limit to yeah, you know the job JD? what I just thought of Jermaine Dupri. Okay. <laughs> so, so <laughs> deaf. Wow, no, JD, job description. Sorry, guys, sorry. <laughs> Left of sorry, center. Sorry, sorry. All the 90s guys so say like, amen. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, how are you saying your parents ended up, like, taking people under their wing? Pastors or anyone who's serving mm. can end up having True. all <clears throat> these things that they're kind of looking out for different people in different mm. ways. For someone, you're their psychiatrist or their therapist. For someone else, you're their mentor. For someone else, you're their prayer partner and mm. their intercessor. Like, you've got so many things that you're doing, mm. which are all good. Like, none mm. of it is bad, obviously. But it's like, like where do you where put do you, the full stop? Yeah. 
that and i think so role what you're what you're talking about is role overload mm. and pastors have it and i think zim pastors have it in a particularly special way um because of where zim is at and because of what's happened to the country over these many years zim pastors have stepped into the breach churches have stepped into the breach churches didn't used to go around fixing potholes yeah um and although the church has always had um an outreach, an arm of social justice or compassion or whatever you want to call it, mm. um, looking out for the last and the least of these. <clears throat> In Zim, what do you do when the last and the least of these is the majority yeah. rather than the minority? Yeah. Um, so the pressure on pastors is really real. But role overload, um, I think pastors in zim are ex also expected to be financial advisors mm. lawyers mm. aids advocates <laughs> marriage counselors um you know everything they yeah. and healers, of course <laughs> healers <laughs> and but i mean Shucks. all of that comes with an incredible weight if you think about it the more that gets put on your plate even if you're not a pastor even if you don't serve in church the more that gets put on your plate think about how at what point you start to go I can't cope. Mm. This is too much. Mm. Yeah. And at the heart of burnout, and it's good to say right at the beginning that burnout is one of those words that's used super widely. People are like, oh, it's burnout, like, like depression. Anxiety. In fact, can we just, can we just yeah. actually give a definition of burnout? Sure. What, what, what exactly is burnout? So there are a number of definitions. Um, depends who you're looking at talking to on a very simple level um a dictionary definition of burnout is the exhaustion of physical and emotional strength and motivation usually as a result of prolonged stress and frustration mm. um in terms of burnout as an actual phenomena it is a syndrome of emotional exhaustion depersonalization and reduced um accomplishment so it's something and those are all big words yeah. but it is burnout comes and is located in your job generally right so um if you are a psychologist if you do ngo work any work where you help people and work a and lot with people stay-at-home moms don't worry we're not excluding you for sure it does i mean that's yeah. their job like that they're doing that 24 right. 7 they don't get a break and helping people who are in Literally trouble or are troubled yeah. Yeah. yeah that that comes with a price tag and so um if you want an equation of what, what is going to get somebody into a place of burnout, it's where your job demands are greater than your job resources. Mm -hmm. um, I like that. That's very easy to understand. Wait, say, say that again. Say that again. Where your job demands are greater than your job resources. Hmm. Now, what constitutes demands and resources are different things. Resources can is, is made up of things like your own social support. Uh, whether you're taking care of yourself, your health, your, whether you're having time to replenish yourself spiritually. But um, when demands are greater than resources, i.e. when there's more being asked of you than there is coming into you, it's only a matter of time before you, if you don't take steps to avert that, you're going to run into burnout. Um, it's not the same as depression, yeah. um, but the two overlap. So depression affects all all of your life strictly speaking from an academic point of view burnout is specifically job located but here's the thing all of these terms they'll say oh it only applies to this aspect of your life your spirit soul and body and if something starts to affect you at work it's a matter of time before it affects home yeah. relationships 
church, whatever. So you can't exactly just put a little gate around work effects and like everybody knows if you're having a really rubbish time at work for a long time, mm. at some point your family is going to absorb some of that yeah, stress. For sure. So Hannah, as you're speaking, I'm just thinking that there are a lot of buzzwords that have come to the fore over the last couple of years. So, you know, words like anxiety and post PTSD, PTSD and all of these terms that honestly growing up, I didn't know these terms. So, so for me, it begs the question that is that, is it that those things were never di diagnosed properly in the past or did they exist at all? Um, or have they become more exacerbated by the world we're living are, in are now? Are we weaker now? <laughs> or in, fact, in fact, a question that I've... It is a good question. Something that I've always wondered is that has it not gotten worse because we've created categories for it? You know what I'm trying to say? That because, <laughs> because we never knew what depression was in the, in the past. Like we, we didn't have a definition for it. No. But now that we do, doesn't that also lead to more depressed people? Anyway, that I've thought about a lot of things. That's but anyway, let, let's, a, go back, let, let's go back. Let's go back to to the terminology. That how how did we get here? Okay, so mental health has come to the fore. I think if we're gonna look, um, particularly when you start looking in in the literature about it, the the term burnout was first developed in about the seventies and eighties, um, and it was to do. They were looking at. Um, social workers in inner cities and how and what the produce of that long what that long-term stress produced in them how they reacted to their job and all of that so the term exists and is broadly defined today but that doesn't mean that it hasn't existed in in times gone by same goes for depression we have more nuanced terms today and more defined um terms but just because we talk about it more doesn't mean necessarily that it's a bad thing because people are like, oh, I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. You don't get, from a medical point of view, you aren't depressed um, by your own self-diagnosis. You have to go and, you know, be diagnosed by a, a medical professional. But I think the general backdrop of the world today is that we have seen a rise in, firstly, in mental health challenges, problems, um, as well as... Um, awareness of them yeah. and and the fact that we do all have mental health for many years mental health has been deeply stigmatized to the yeah. point where people don't go around being like you know I, I have actually you know been depressed or I am on some kind of antidepressant to just help me because I was really struggling people just haven't talked about that and truth be told I think the church in Zim is a little bit behind the church in the west in this regard um, but the truth is, everybody struggles. Everybody yeah. has mental health challenges. It's just how we deal with them. And so talking about burnout, talking about PTSD, anxiety and depression, all of those things are important. And the church has to be more bold in acknowledging that they are there because people suffer and they suffer in silence. And if you suffer in silence, you'll think you're the only one. And actually, as we can talk about things so people can be like, actually, I also had that challenge or I was also there. And the fact that when we can talk about something, it relieves so much of that pressure is is important. But just in terms of some stats, uh, the US um, 
this, the statistics from the US are one in five will suffer a common mental illness in their lifetime. So that would be st- something like depression, anxiety. The statistics from the UK are one in four. So in this room, there are four of us yeah, right now. It's a depressing place, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I told. Won't, I won't. Listen, um, but that's in your lifetime. Yeah. Um, and that can, the, the causes are manifold. It's not, and it's not a sign of weakness. You can have something like, a bad illness that comes out of left field, you can't work, or you have the death of a loved one that comes out of left field and you're left reeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So burnout is located amidst all of this discussion. It's more than just stress, but what it produces and how it affects us, it affects us in a holistic way. It affects your mind. It really affects your relationship with others. Um, And that's where that, like, idea of emotionally exhausted comes in Hmm. where you're like no no more people i have nothing i I have less than nothing i can't give um and so i think that's why the people who work with people under very different difficult circumstances are the ones who perhaps were noticed to be like you know these people who help people actually really struggling where does that come from how does it occur why does it occur and how can we help them Hmm. but the the lessons on a personal note, the lessons I learned in burnout are beautiful lessons that actually help you live life in a much better, healthier way, a way where you enjoy it a whole bunch more. That's amazing, Hannah. And so as you're speaking, I'm just thinking that often the the person that's glorified in church circles, not all churches, but in certain church circles, is the person who is always there, who shows up, who carries the chairs, Mm -hmm. who helps the pastor with what they need. Says yes to everything. Basically, right? Yeah. And that's sort of the poster child for, Mm -hmm. you know, the servant and the good and faithful servant. And church tends to glorify this. Yeah. You know, and I'm just thinking that hearing you speak, how many people within church circles are in that position where, you know, somebody is an usher, they are also serving at the back, doing something, they're also in the band. But but I find that, especially in churches that are still in their formative stages, people mm-hmm. tend to do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we glorify that. And we're like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, this person is just so dedicated, dedicated mm-hmm. to serving God. And after a while, doesn't that start to take a toll on the person? And also... Um, within church circles why are we not having this conversation to say hey pastor or leader i'm actually i'm burnt out you know i'm feeling burnt out and (laughs) is there scope to have that sort of conversation bigger than that as well as who does the leader go to when they're like oh (laughs) me too i'm the one who's like completely at my wit's end um i think uh the so the idea of self-care, self-compassion um, is problematic for some Christians. Not all, but some. Um, and it's because people feel that this idea of self-care is fundamentally at odds with a gospel of self-denial and In servanthood. To self. Yeah. But the I, ca- I came across this really cool quote, which I will try and find, um, which talks about and one of the biggest things that you can do if you are feeling burnt out and by the way it's it's like um what you know what what happens when you pull the 
plug out of a bath, you get that little like whirlwind. Mm. However long it takes you to get down to the bottom of uh, that whirlpool is about the length of time it'll take you to come back out of it. So say Mm. you look and you think, wow, I've been feeling like this. Actually, it's not for one month. It's not for three. It's about the last two years. Mm. It's going to take you from that moment, likely going to take you the amount, that same amount of time to slowly climb out of that pit of like feeling depleted and exhausted and wanting to run away from people and church and anything where people are just interested in what can you give Mm. um so a healthy relationship with yourself is one of the biggest um, and probably is like i think it's an adulting lesson uh, because truth be told people in the church are not good at looking after themselves like could have said like we we glorify servanthood and that there is there's a place of looking at the the one who leads must be the one who serves and the greatest among you is the one who is least but self um compassion isn't inherently selfish it doesn't mean it's necessarily inherently selfish and self-criticism um isn't inherently a virtue so I don't think that within Christianity, Jesus was like, hmm, guys, you know what? Just live your life and um, be a doormat to everyone. Say yes to everything. Like, I came across this quote when I was writing it. I was doing a, a Bible devotional plan, and they were like, do you realize that they w- when Jesus ascended to heaven, there would have been, still been people he didn't heal? Hmm. Like, wow. Jesus must have said no to some things where they were like come to this place go and do that and jesus said would have said no this idea that jesus said no to stuff and jesus couldn't do and didn't do all of the things because he was a man yeah 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 and actually we see that part of his practice of taking care of himself was withdrawing and going up a mountain to pray and getting up early to pray and literally when you're in a position where there's so many people all the time the way that you have to recharge is often to go away from people. Right. Mm. So I think that, you know, the idea of looking at self-care with Jesus is that that's like, ooh, that'd be an interesting book to like write that. or a Bible study. Mm. I like that. But I think the trap that a lot of people fall into is thinking, well, if I'm not there, who's going to do it? Like if I'm not there to lead the worship or if I'm not there to pray for people or visit them in the hospital, then... Who's going to do it? And then so you just keep convincing yourself and say, you know, I can do all things. It's fine. <laughs> Literally all the things. <laughs> and you keep on going until you just hope that God will give you the strength. You do up until the point where you start to resent it. And yeah. you, and that's the dangerous thing. I think no one is um, above getting to the point of feeling like, I resent people for wanting things from me. And I resent the phone calls that come because, honestly, although we say in churches we're relational and Mm -hmm. we're not transactional, I've actually found that the problem is we are transactional. And, like, people call people when they want something. How often um, do we just check in with a friend for checking in? Not because it's like, hey, Koda, um, you know, we talked about the song list or we got this and that, like, how often are we just checking in with people like, I just want to see how you're doing this week mm. and and creating a space in which the person can say, I'm not doing well. 
I'm not coping yeah. without them getting like a sermon bashing or a Bible verse to help them mm. put like a little bandaid on their gaping mm. wound. We're not, I, I don't know. I think we get caught up too much in the doing of church and rather we miss that actually church is about relationship with each other. That's good. Oh yeah. <clears throat> you're dropping, you're dropping bars, dropping some serious bars there. You know, Han, as, as you're speaking, I'm also just thinking that, this is a conversation I was having with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, just about the fact that church can become can become very transactional. We, yeah, just that that exact word. Everything becomes so transactional. I I remember getting to a point where I just didn't want to get any calls from anybody from church because I knew every single person who's calling me is calling me because they want something. You know, they want me to yeah. organize something. They want me to, they want a team for this. Or, and in as much as, you know, you, you see the value of it and you know the value of having a team to serve in a particular meeting or mm. there's an outreach happening, you know, even if you've got a team that you can delegate stuff to, for some reason, there's always things that end up coming to you as a leader and it really does get tiring. And honestly, I got to, I got to a point where I was just like, actually, I don't want to go to church. And for a couple of weeks, I'll just find ways to not go to church <laughs> or to go to a different church where I'll just go to a different church and sit in the back, at the back, and just attend the service, mm-hmm. you know. And and I wonder, you know, that even in, the, in that whole process, part of what I started thinking about was if, if I'm feeling like this, mm. What about the, the people who are above me mm-hmm. and the the leaders who, like the, the pastors and the other leaders who are playing a much more senior role? Mm-hmm. You know, who's looking after them and who's asking them the questions? Yeah. Have we just become a whole body, a whole body of broken people, burnt out people mm-hmm. who who are trying to, who are literally just operating on, on E, as it were? And, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, I'm not talking about any any specific church, but I'm just saying that. For me, yeah, that that is that is a bit troublesome, and and mm-hmm. of course, I've I've experienced this firsthand. Mm-hmm. So how? See, but if you had a wife to go home to, Cookie, <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> actually, oddly enough, <laughs> oddly enough, somebody's actually said that to me. Really? I'm telling you, man. It's like but that's the cure you need, for your You need to get married. You need to get married, man. Let, 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 let's say it how it is. If you had a wife. Then you'd be getting some reality checks. Like she'd be like, "You're never here. You're though. never here. Yeah. You, you're basically, you know, you're Superman at church, and you're never home." Mm. Yeah. So maybe. <laughs> so maybe I do need a wife. Hey, man. Listen. Maybe that's part. Maybe that's part of the remedy, right? Okay. So one of the. I, it, okay, not that specific point, <laughs> but let me just say that firstly to address the point you're making, Tanya, about um. Uh, that what will happen if I don't go? Mm. There's this thing called a vacuum. Sometimes you have to create a vacuum for others to be able to step mm. in and step up. And one That's of the good. one of the problems I think we have in church is we become too focused on the person at the top rather than creating teams. Mm. And if we had teams where there's a roster and it's this week it's Kuda's week, next week it's Keith's week, next week it's Tino's week, next week it's Tanyo's week, mm. and those people take it in turns for each other, so that when you're off, you're off. And that when you're on, you're on. But if we had that where they, you rotate in and out, 
where you are allowed in those weeks where you're off to just be. And in so far as possible, people are like, I will not call you because I respect that I don't want to be called when it's mm. my week off. Yeah. We actually, I think a lot of the time we, we've we created structures of leadership which are about one person rather than a group of people. Yeah. Something I was really struck by um, when I was doing my reading was that when you read about the early church, although you read about Paul and Barnabas and then Paul and Silas, a lot of the time it, the leaders were teams it was the apostles. It was mm-hmm. a group of people in places. And I think that teamwork is one of the big things that churches need help in equipping their leaders so that the leaders can say, right, well, this person is going to be taking over paperwork because, quite frankly, I suck at it and I'm not doing a good job anyway. And they're going to do the paperwork and this person will do that. And together we will do what we can, what we're good at, because that that is a, a healthier a healthier ministry based on teams mm. is actually we look at the new testament it's the priesthood of all believers not the priesthood of the top few who we call pastor mm-hmm. um or deacon or whatever um but uh, coming back to what you were saying Kura, about um having a wife mm-hmm. so the the specific principle, not what I'm going to address here, but the general principle is to do with self-awareness. And a lot of the time, the thing that if you are feeling burnt out, by the time you realize that you are feeling burnt out, you've probably been burnt out or that was coming for a while. Mm. If you like um, the car, so you on your dashboard in your car, you have all those lights that come up and... Um, your lights come on and when they're on orange or red, they're a warning that if you don't take time and attention to something, something else is going to go mm-hmm. in a big way further down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lack of self-awareness often, and, and I see this in, I think it can exist in singles a lot of the time where because we feel like, well, we don't have that significant other, we just end up like, well, I must give myself to everything. And so we run hard. I know, my God. I know, my I can keep going. <laughs> but, but that's so important. And actually, one of the things I saw my mom do a lot for my dad and she, she would do with us and still does, is she would hold a mirror up and she'd be like, do you realize this is how, like... This is where you're at. This, these are the things you're saying. And I'm calling warning. Mm. And so having a, a better relationship with yourself where you are self-aware and you're like, actually, this isn't the third night I haven't slept well. This is the third month I've not been sleeping well. Mm-hmm. And just on a side note, sleep is so important. It's such an important part of taking care of ourselves. And it's actually one of the things we're probably worst at especially in our day and age with devices and phones and wi-fi and all of that crud but um well because if you think about it we also have this thing about glorifying (laughs) certain behaviors and things right that we were like okay this person is talking about how they wake up at three in the morning and they pray or if it's if it's more in the business space, you know, it's somebody telling you that you don't need to sleep for eight hours in a day. If you sleep eight hours a day, by the time you die, you've wasted how many years of your life? You know, all of this stuff that we, we hear. <laughs> and so 
then there's this pressure to, especially if you're somebody who's a high achiever, somebody who's trying to get a lot of stuff done, you start thinking, Ish, you know, maybe a little less sleep. Maybe if I can live on four hours of sleep and then I can read and listen to podcasts and <laughs> get my PhD or whatever. So so there's this constant pressure, I think, mm. on, on people uh, just in general in society. Yeah. But then, of course, there's the pressure that comes as a Christian mm. where, <laughs> where, uh, where it's like, Yo, you know, you're talking to somebody who's like every day at midnight, I'm up and I'm praying, you know, I'm speaking to the Lord. And you start thinking, yo, bruh, like... Hashtag goals. You know, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So I think those are some of the things that we do need to have conversations about to say, if God, if, if part of what God says is that he'll give us rest. And Jesus says that, come to me, all you who are um, weary and, weary and, and, and carrying burdens and I'll give you rest. Mm. Then you start thinking, but My yoke is easy. How come, how come the, ch- how come serving in church is so burdensome and yet we're supposed <laughs> to be serving the one who is the source of rest? Good and questions. It's like this, really good questions. Yeah, man. It's like this dichotomy and this confusing thing mm. that that's often there. You know, um, I think Christians have some funky ideas around sleep, rest, and Sabbath. Hannah, so, when I read Proverbs 31, yeah, I, that I woman doesn't out from reading yeah. it. <laughs> Like right, she does way so too right. much. Like, no, she is like, like oh, girl, girl, take a chill chill out. Yeah, yeah, I know. Baby, I get, I, I totally get that. So let let's put that woman just on one side for a minute, because the whole like she wakes up while it's still dark. Bruh, no, that lady. <laughs> Here's the thing, I think that too often in churches we are slipping into a theology of works. And what I mean by that is we yes. we think that God will reward me if I work harder. He will reward me if I get up in the middle of the night. And in order to earn his pleasure, we wouldn't ever say it as bluntly as that, of course. But in order to do that, like to be that super like strong Christian, I have to do 24-hour water fasts, 40-day this and that. And And I once heard Heidi Baker talking about how she she was having she was spending time with the lord and she, she she would do these things where she goes to like events and she's in her hotel room and she'll just won't answer the door or calls or whatever until it's time to come and speak but that whole time she'll be before the lord asking the lord and i think she said something where she said the lord challenged her and, and he said you don't have to be in here for all of these hours for me to give you something mm-hmm. i'm not and and it was this idea of like especially in our prayer lives, we can let a theology of works creep in where we're like, but God will only reward me if I pray in the middle of the night like Paul and Silas and break the the gates of the city and whatnot. So I think there's that. Secondly, I think we as Christians and Pentecostals are especially bad at this. We don't have good theologies of weakness. We want overcoming. We want overcomers overcoming victory success breakthrough breakthrough break out break break like until you break down and then well so true but that's so true and the thing is so the personal story is just on a on a theology of weakness the a couple of months before i started writing my dissertation it was around uh, Rosh Hashanah, Jewish New Year. And around that time, I, I just said to the Lord, like, is there anything you want to say to me for the year ahead? 
And I really felt him impress on me 2 Corinthians 12. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, which that passage is the thorn in the flesh passage. Yeah. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, Lord. Like, that's the passage you're giving me. I know it's a very unspiritual uh, response. But um, and I was I can be very honest and say I was not gracious. Um, so I just tucked it away at the back of my mind. And I was like, let me just hold it lightly. And I went into that year and not that, and it, it ended up being a two-year process of writing my dissertation for a number of reasons. Well, that passage I lived because I had thorn in my flesh after thorn in my flesh. I had huge health challenges. Um, I had issues where I had to take time off from my studies and I, I couldn't believe the number of things that just came up and I was like, Lord, what am I supposed to do with all of these things? What am I doing wrong? Like, should I pray more? Should I fast more? Communion more? You know, like more was always the, like yeah. the yeah. answer. And um, I look back now and, and God never tells us things in order to scare us. His preparation is always out of kindness. And um, it my for the next two years, I wrote my dissertation just in a place of huge physical weakness and then a lot of emotional weakness my dad died halfway through no wait three quarters of the way through my dissertation so there was so much pain and um during that time i came across a pretty profound insight it was in a prayer meeting a lady was sharing um and she said in this life we will encounter storms thorns and cups and i was like okay what is this so she was like storms can be rebuked um but god will reserve the right that sometimes the storm is rebuked and it stills and sometimes he tells us to be still and the storm rages mm -hmm. so god reserves the right so but you can rebuke a storm because jesus rebuked uh the storm and the wind and the waves and everything went quiet mm -hmm. but um thorns can't be rebuked they have to be endured because in that 2 Corinthians 12 passage at no point does Paul like I rebuked the thorn in my flesh and it left mm. he actually if you look at that passage um, we can pray for the thorn and ask for it to be removed and Paul's thorn in his flesh three times I asked the Lord and the Lord said to him my grace is sufficient for you for my powers made perfect in weakness mm. um, and so we can pray and ask it for it to be removed and sometimes God is going to say no my grace is sufficient for you. Um, and then there are cups. So there's storms, thorns, and cups. And the cups have to be drunk. Jesus was given the cup of his suffering. Mm. And um, sometimes when G the Lord gives us a cup, we're like our master that says, <coughs> Lord, take this cup from me, mm. not my will, but yours be done. And so we have to drink of it. And so thorns and cups can't be rebuked. They have to be endured. They have to be um, drunk from. But I think that we need to understand. Gosh, that is so deep, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually really deep. I think, I think we've got to realize that so much of the New Testament, Paul is talking about his weakness. He talks about, there's this section in 2 Corinthians, this is one of my favorite letters. He talks about how... Um, all of the things he endured, and it's like he got thrown out of cities, he got mm -hmm. stoned, he got shipwrecked, mm -hmm. he got this. And 
when you look at the New Testament, the New Testament is full of suffering. Mm. And a lot of the time, I think, Kuda, you and I have spoken a bit about this before, where we've said that one of the problems in the church is that we are so busy talking about overcoming and doing better. And uh, I came across this tweet by Esau McCauley. Mm-hmm. I like and um, he said, he said this, when Paul wanted to encourage Christians, he did not say that their breakthrough was around the corner. He helped them to make sense of their suffering in light of the coming reign of Christ. If we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. Then he had an, uh, um, another tweet. He said, sometimes the breakthrough doesn't come. Oh, Christians geez. get sick and die. We lose the job and don't get a better one. Mm. The resurrection and transformation of all things remains our hope. Not victory over haters, <clears throat> but victory over death. <sighs> and I think that that's where as Christians we, we've lost the mark. We've forgotten that to be human is to be weak. Mm. You know, um, one of the biggest things that I discovered, and I lived it in my final year at uni, we were doing um, a module on the Old Testament. And our lecturer set us a challenge. He was like, you know, we live in a, a rat, wa- rat race world. And we were like, yeah, we do. We're in third year. We know about this rat race world. <laughs> oh, how little we knew. Anyway, um, and he set us a challenge because we were studying Deuteronomy. And one of the hallmarks of the people of God was the Sabbath. And he said, I'm challenging you to take your Sabbath the whole of this year. And so I went to a friend and I was like, we should do this. And by we, I meant we, because I was like, I need someone to do this with for accountability. And he was like, yeah, you should do it. (laughs) And so in the end, he didn't want to do it. So I did it. And I tried. I didn't do it. There were times around deadlines where (laughs) I kind of caved. But I I made it my aim to keep a Sabbath. And you think about the rest of the Ten Commandments. We're pretty set on like thou shalt not murder thou shalt not kill (laughs) covered we get to the thou shalt keep the sabbath day holy and we're like oh so not to come at it from a legalistic point of view but you need a day of rest Mm. and actually in the bible the day starts at night time which is why in genesis it says and then there was evening and morning the first day so for jews the day starts at night time and i read a really interesting article which talked about how Isn't it interesting that God puts humanity in their place by saying, right, the day's starting and you're going to sleep. I will work whilst you're asleep. And when you wake up, then we'll work together. But the day starts with us doing nothing, resting. Mm. And actually, for me, Sabbath rest, sleep, all of those things, it was a journey of taking delight in them, of realizing God is not begrudging me my hours of sleep. Mm. Yes, there will be seasons to pray into the night, into mm. the wee hours, but the Lord gives rest to those whom yeah. he loves. That's what Psalm says. So mm. I think as Christians, we need to go back to the the good book and be like, actually, God wants us to sleep well. Sleep, he intended sleep to be what it is, rejuvenating. Mm-hmm. Um I think the practices we have around sleep also really matter um, because we don't have healthy sleep cycles. We, like our phone is with us in the middle of the night. What's that? Oh, oh, it's work. I'm putting it on my side. Like, yeah. So I've, I feel like I've said a lot right there. You have. And well, and it's all really good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. You've actually said a lot of really deep stuff there. I've used that word several times today. <clears throat> um the first thing is that we were just talking about, or you were just talking about, 
our theology, mm. especially as Pentecostals, where the tendency is to get hung up on overcoming and you know all these buzzwords that we mm. use where it's all about you know god wants us to overcome and he does and but then that literally becomes all of our theology mm. we've got churches that are named after things like that right mm. where and so you know i think part of the journey for me as well has been realizing that huh but how come in the new testament you find a lot of brokenness and pain and mm. um and people having to really rely on God, mm. you know, and, and I think it's something we really need to revisit and, and look at to say, is our theology right? Is it correct? Mm. That sometimes what we think is warfare, quote unquote, mm. is really not, not warfare. It's just life mm. happening, you know, and what, what exactly is God saying in that? And I love what you said about rest, that it's you know it's challenging for me and it's of course it's a journey that i've been on as well it's challenging for me because i think in in all honesty i can be a bit of an overachiever and i want to i want to do everything you know i've got like a hundred thousand tabs open on my laptop and i'm trying to do this and that and and i think part of it is that we just okay part of the challenge for me personally has been um god just really challenging me on trusting him Mm. you know to say do I really trust God with my life? Do I really mm. trust God that if if I do, if I just rest in mm. his grace and in his presence and in his promises, he's going to take care of the things that, mm. you know, I've, I'm so anxiously trying to get, mm. tr- trying to get done. And I think that really comes back to our theology and, and what, mm. what we believe as our bedrock um, assumptions about some of these things. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, this is, this is solid stuff. <laughs> it is. T Mac, you're awfully quiet. No, I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, are there any other remedies that you want to share with us, especially for those who are in leadership positions? So, um, geez, there are a whole bunch of them. The first one, and the things that so, uh, for my dissertation, I lo- I read a lot of different papers, and the number one thing that pastors spoke about as being most important was social support. Mm-hmm. At the bottom line is this, people need people. That's it. And people need people and pastors need time to just be them. And they need places where they can go, where they are just them. Yeah. And the spiritualese, I mean, it'd be cool if we could get rid of it for good. But um, <laughs> like the Christianese gets put on one side. And, and so, you know, if you come in here, it's, it's a safe space and we can talk and we can just be, but we need each other. We have, I can tell you, so my sister and I have, um, we're both teachers and we have this group of friends from, and we've taught um, firstly together and then at different schools for a while now. Man, when we get together, is such a tonic to like my soul because there's a whole like... <laughs> You know, the first thing is like, okay, so where are you getting your chickens from? And like, <laughs> guys, is anyone using runners at the moment? So we have the whole like how to survive Zim part. <laughs> and then we have the how's your work? How's your life? How's your heart? And we have that like, okay, how are you doing? Mm. You know, put all the the stuff on one side and like, okay. And 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 we are, we're people who show up for each other. Um, and everybody needs those people. So there's that but one of the i think probably one of the hardest things for when you have burnout especially if you're a leader is that you will encounter spiritual dryness 
um, and to struggle with being spiritually dry when your whole job is like spiritual things, it's a problem. But the reality is that um, I think a lot of the time pastors would say that they there comes a point where there's so much work you try to cut corners where you're like right I've got to read the bible for sermon prep let alone for like just me Mm. and so I think one of the things that really helps is um intentional planning and execution of my time with the lord and seeing that as as important one of the things my dad um always used to say to us um was he would say when when you're in a first aid situation, the first thing you have to do is to look after yourself because what no one else needs is the first aider becoming part of the casualties. Um, so it's the whole idea of put your oxygen mask mm-hmm. on first. Mm-hmm. So before you try and help other people, take care of yourself. And so mixing up what you do with your spiritual life. Um, I found I, I did the daily Bible reading um a program that our church did for years and years. And then I found another app where we read through the Bible in one year and there was a bit more explanation and I really enjoyed that. And at the moment I've, I found another app, which is really good, which has some daily meditation and just time to ask the Lord questions to meditate on scripture rather than reading through it all. And all of the approaches have their merits for different seasons. And I think journaling, meditating, spiritual retreats, all of those things have their place. Um, But it's at the end of the day, I think we also, we return to prayer Mm. because when prayer is something you do, it's exhausting. But when prayer is conversation and like, Lord, I know I have to pray for so-and-so right now because I said I would, but I'm so tired. I don't even know what to pray. Mm. And, and making that your starting point of honesty, I think that the Lord really honors that. One of the things we love about David is how honest he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, And I think around this conversation with burnout is that Christians struggle to be honest about their limitations. Mm-hmm. There's this um, uh, Christian charity in the UK called um, Mind and Soul, who, by the way, are <coughs> very very good they talk a lot about christian approaches to mental health um it was it's founded by a vicar um an anglican vicar and um a christian gp and um they the the the, the christian gp said you know the interesting thing is that christians are some of the hardest people on themselves ever they are so mean to themselves they are you could have you should have you would have you and you think about it like those whole conversations of like i have to go to church Mm. we are we push ourselves really hard but the truth is if it was someone else in that situation somebody you loved you wouldn't be like could you should go to church doesn't matter how you feel yeah just suck it up and get on with it Mm. die to self and and here's the thing christians spiritualize their dysfunction we hey, find ways to hey, like hey, hey. sugarcoat it. Mm. But the truth is that if we were just honest and we were like, right now, I need space from people because I'm not a nice person. I need time with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and people would be like, oh, wow. If they can do that, if they yeah. can have permission to do that, then surely I can too. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And in terms of prevention, mm. um, I don't know if you can like approach your servitude and be like to your leader, okay, I'm happy to be in Asia, but I'm only available on every (laughs) 
second week of every uh, quarter. Thanks. That's that's when I can do this thing. Like, how do you even put those boundaries in place to prevent? So that's a really good word. One of the biggest words and the biggest problems for anybody who has hit burnout, they'll tell you the two things they've struggled with. Boundaries and balance. Mm -hmm. Balance is an elusive word. I've been in search of it for a long time. I started when I was at uni and I was like, what is up with this word? Like, (laughs) you're just going to be chasing it your whole life. But um, the book Boundaries by Henry Cloud, um, Cloud and Townsend, town end um is such a worthwhile book for christians to read because the reality is christians i think a lot of time and in churches we have a a, i i'm guilty so let's let's not say christians let's say hannah hannah has a problem with people pleasing and i don't want to say no because sometimes i enjoy it and other times i'm like but i should and the problem is we say yes to things um, without thinking of like, okay, actually, what else am I supposed to be doing this week? One of the biggest um, challenges I know um, of being married, and my mom would say to my dad, it's like, he would say yes to things and she'd be like, you know, you said that we were going to do something there. or, mm-hmm. And you need those people in your life who will call you out and say, but where are your boundaries? You're letting people walk all over you. You're saying yes to everything. Why do you say yes to everything? Do you need something out of this? Where does it come from? So we need boundaries in our lives and boundaries are there to protect us, not to hurt us, as is balance. But the reality is, is those words balance comes when we are sustainably prioritizing a number of things and here's the thing self-care looks like prioritizing and protecting our relationships with god with ourselves and with others if we saw self-care as prioritizing and protecting relationships i think we think about it a whole Mm. bunch differently Mm. that actually part of me saying no is protecting myself from getting to a place where it takes me a month before I come back to church again Mm. because I gave too much and my physical health got compromised and this happened and I couldn't speak to that person for 10 years or whatever it is, you know. So uh, boundaries are there to protect us. They're there to keep something really good safe from becoming something really bad, tainted by disappointment and annoyance and resentment and a whole bunch of other things yeah and speaking of that i'm just thinking of the other coping mechanisms that people then resort to um when when they're burnt out or when they're reaching that place of of burnout you know people can actually in fact people do turn to unhealthy things Mm. you know um so I, i know people who are caught up in all kinds of stuff you know sometimes people just start developing drinking mm. issues where you know, where it's like somebody just is like i oh, know i'm just having a, i'm just having a glass of wine and then i'm like but why are you always having a glass of wine why are you <laughs> and then you finish and then they finish the whole bottle right and mm. it's like i understand that you yeah, have your wine it's cool no no problem but this is starting to become problematic mm-hmm. that this is no longer just you enjoying the wine this is mm-hmm. more like mm-hmm. you know it's becoming a coping mechanism or oh, it's beer or it's other even you know more food yeah, eating too much not food, eating enough or even other substances mm-hmm. you know stuff like that um i think there, there are many pornography and yeah all sorts of things and you know Check. just watching 
getting caught on uh, Insta reels up until or midnight where you're TikTok like, how long did I waste <laughs> on this? You know, and I think so these easy. are things that we all need to check because mm. I'll tell you one of the things that I've really appreciated, especially as somebody who serves in a leadership capacity in a, in a big church, is people who just check up on me. Mm. And I'll be honest, that never really used to happen that much. But lately, you know, just having people who will phone and say, hey, could I just checking up on you, man? Mm. How are you doing? Are you okay? Because most of the phone calls that you get, and understandably so, mm. are to do with programs and things mm. that need to be done. There's a mm. funeral, so we need this or what, whatever. And it really, it gets to a point where you're just like, okay, you know what, Jesus, I want to serve you, but yo, you're a lot. <laughs> you're a lot. And so are your people. <laughs> you and your people. You know, and then another thing, and I'll be honest, is that you've got your not-so-Christian friends mm -hmm. who are like, hey, dude, what are you doing this Friday? Let's let's go out. Let's, let's go grab a drink somewhere. Mm. And then I'll go. Mm. And sometimes it's like the most refreshing thing where you're just mm. chilling with guys who are talking <laughs> nonsense mm. and you're laughing. And so... Then it gets me thinking that as Christians, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters who actually look out for each other, who mm. care about each other. And yet often we don't do that. Mm -hmm. And the flip side is that you've got the guys who are supposed to be the, the worldly guys who are mm. not your church guys who will, you know, I've got guys who, that, that I know are living very shady lives, mm. but they will phone me and be like, hey, dude, just thought of you. Are mm. you good? Or do you want to grab lunch on this day or whatever? So, so I think we need to do better. Now, of course, you know, I'm using myself as an example. I'm not saying that's the case across the board. But I'm just saying that I think often what, what I've seen with us as Christians is that we're so focused on the work of God mm. that we forget about each other. And So true. Yeah, and then we, we lose each other. And then you're like, ah, this one is addicted to Pornhub, bruh. What's going on? Ah, yay, the devil, this, but you're like, no, but you left, you left the homie yes. two years ago. <laughs> and, and that's it. Yeah. You know that, um, I was doing some research once. There are about, if I'm not mistaken, it's in the sixties. There are about 60 one another commandments in the new Testament. Love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, be kind to one another. And the truth is at the end of the day, what, what is life? what matters most in life you know um i think we've all had those moments where we see acutely the most important things and their relationships mm. because i don't know uh, and i'm not trying to sound super wise and clever here but i don't know any person who gets to their deathbed and thinks i should have worked more mm. because the most common regrets are I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I wish I'd done this. And one of the biggest things as Christians, I think, is that we are in danger of our public life looking better than what our private life is actually like. And actually, our lives as Christians are always meant to flow from private to public in the sense that what you are getting in your time with the Lord, in your time with your closest, nearest and dearest, is the stuff that fuels outwardly to keeping an eye on others and you know the truth is that i am my brother's keeper i am my sister's keeper the lord does hold us to account on taking care of one another and we do need to do better we need to care about people just because we care about people mm. um and 
truth be told, Koda, friends are for so many different reasons. But you know what? One of the biggest things is your friends are your mirrors because they'll be the ones who are like, hey, especially your non-Christian friends, they can be some of your best accountability partners. They'd be like, hey, you told me that you were going to say no more at church and be like, (laughs) you're going to have one Sunday a month where you're not in choir or something. And they'll hold you to it. And what a great testimony of walking out service, but also taking time away. If Jesus needed time away, who do we think we are to not be like, oh yeah, I need to retreat sometimes. So we do need to do better and we need to remember what the most important thing is, which is each other. It's ourselves. I don't want to get to the throne of God and God to be like, you know what, you took care of a lot of people, but your poor family were neglected the whole time. Or, you know, you were like, your poor spouse was there by themselves just (laughs) thinking, well, they look good, but Mm. we've, it's not about looking good. It's about being real. Yeah. And I think that as Christians, if we'd only benefit from being more real with each other. Mm. That's so good. Even with non-Christians, like to be like, hey, I'm not doing okay. Like me and God, we're having some arguments right now. (laughs) Right now he's just listening and I'm just talking like, can you imagine? Yeah. And not saying that we should go around complaining about God to other people, but honesty is so important. The Lord wants honesty. And it's the thing actually in this day and age with so much like online and putting things out there about ourselves. Yeah. Finding real people is really healing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I actually think we can end it there. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thanks for having me guys so much in this conversation. And if you guys have any questions, any comments, please feel free to reach out to us on our social media pages or via email. And we will catch you very soon. Very, very 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 soon. soon. All right, guys. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.